Alright, this morning I want to continue. Because um, there are some thoughts that concerning the tabernacle of David that we spoke about during the joy meeting. Right, that we haven't yet uh, gotten into. And we want to talk about this probably for the next two to three weeks, depending on um, the way and manner in which it goes. Right? I mean, I'm very grateful to God that, because what I wanted to say looked difficult when I was preparing it, but He has granted utterance, so it is. Because, in fact, I finished the message before I. I had to ask for the time. So, God must have granted or trans. All right. Amos chapter 9 and verse 11. Because it's what Paul said, these things which are hard to be uttered. All right. Amos chapter 9 and verse 11. We're talking about, speaking about the tabernacle of David. We started, all right, talking about this from 11 here. It says, and in that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof. And I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. And then in verse 12 it says that they may possess. So the reason why he will do it is that they may possess the remnants of Edom and of all the heathen. So through the tabernacle of David, authority will be given to his people to possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord, that doeth this. And then in verse 13, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that after that will all, they will also experience this, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper. In other words, you look at their land, and there is no longer any demarcation between right, seed time and harvest, which means that there is an overflow. And it says, the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed. And the mountains shall also drop sweet wine. And all the hills shall also melt. And then in verse 14 it says, I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel. And they shall build the waste places. And they will inhabit them. And plant vineyards. And drink the wine thereof. And they shall also make gardens. And eat the fruit of them. I think in 15, it says, I will plant them upon their own land, and they shall no more be pulled out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord. So God says, if you look at verse 11, that in that day, it says, in that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David. Now all the prophets, when they prophesied, the Bible tells us they inquired and searched diligently, to understand the content of their prophecy, and also to also understand the timing of their prophecy. And they found out that the essence of what they were saying was not for their own time, neither for them, but they spoke about the grace of God that was going to come in what we call today the church age. So when he says, and in that day, it's not referring so the nation of Israel is referring to something else. Put up verse 11. It says, and in that day I shall raise up, verse 11. In that day I will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is falling. So that tabernacle was built, it came down. And it says, I will raise it up and raise up 
his ruins and built it as in the days of old. So what day was he speaking about? Right there. Acts chapter 15, and we start reading from verse 13. Now, the background to this particular discourse here was that Paul and Barnabas had gone out to preach to the Gentiles. Uh, They were getting real powerful results, signs and wonders. But an argument broke out with people that still insisted that there must be a circumcision. And so they decided to go back to the governing authority of the church. And the way and manner in which the governing authority decided wasn't that they said, because we are the governing authority, this is our verdict. What they did was to get into the word of God and bring out what the prophetic word, all right, as it said, what was being said in the scripture concerning this, our discourse. And James established the order that way. Because what had happened was that Peter had narrated an experience that he had. And he talked about the strength of that experience, about him having an open vision while he was fasting. And his sheets came down and he saw animals and God said, you know, eat everything. And he talked about that. And then Paul and Barnabas spoke about the signs and wonders that were wrought. And, 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 and uh, what James, or what God did, all right, through James, was to show us a pattern that, yes, I will back up my truth with signs and wonders. Signs there, we see it with what Peter saw, the wonders we saw, all right, with Paul and Barnabas, strange miracles. But then, the only way you establish, all right, an order is with the scripture. In other words, a decision as to the direction of the church, has to come by the opening up of the word of God. And so James said, after they had held their peace, in other words, stop talking, James answered and said, men and brethren, hearken unto me. And then in verse 14, said Simeon had declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And then verse 15, and to these agree the words of the prophets as it is written. And then went there and said, after this, I will return. So God was talking about that time. And will build again the tabernacle of David. So he was saying, Paul and Barnabas, it was this assignment they were doing. The rebuilding of the tabernacle of David. And that's why you will see that Paul talked about, let the word of God dwell richly in you, all right, singing, all right, psalms, hymns. He went back to the tabernacle of David as the system or style of worship, using the same things that David used there as instruments of worship, which are psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart. So it was that tabernacle that was being built, right? And so we go on here and we say it. I'll return and build again the tabernacle of David which is falling down. And I'll build again the ruins thereof. And I will set it up. And in verse 17, that the residue of men may seek after the Lord. And all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, say the Lord, who doeth all these things. And then in verse 18, all right, it says, all right, known to God are all his works from the beginning. So he talked about rebuilding 
the tabernacle of David, and essentially that was the work that Paul and Barnabas were doing among the Gentiles. And so it's this particular tabernacle again that God says he is building in our midst and we've got to understand it because that's what we give territorial power to a local church once it is established. And that's why we're doing this series so that it's not just the experience of a joy meeting, but as God told me, said, Covenant Christian said, that has to become, all right, that tabernacle there of David there. So that through that, the place, he will be able to extend his power and his strength, all right, into the earth. And so we've got to understand how that tabernacle actually works. Uh, and, 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 and you have that also in your own life, in your personal life, not just in church there, all right, as something that is set in your home, on your life there. So, the tabernacle of David was purpose-built, right? We'll explain that. And before uh, the tabernacle of David, God had three places that were constructed by men that he, quote-unquote, dwelt in. Uh, Moses had built his tent, all right, or his own tabernacle, right, where you had the outer court, all right, the inner court, holiest of all. And then uh, Solomon, David built his tabernacle that lasted for only 40 years. And all of the book of the Psalms were the songs that either David or the Levites appointed to sing, sang, and the prayers they offered up in that tabernacle. Then after that, Solomon built what was called the temple. Now, the distinguishing factor in David's tabernacle, why God chose that, right, even though we'll teach about the others why he chose that, was because in that particular tabernacle, every single person had access. And the former of sacrifices that were offered up, it was in that tabernacle that they said, we are rendering the calves of our lips and not killing physical animals. Now, while David's tabernacle was in existence in Israel, Moses' tent was also in existence. And people used to go, and that's where Solomon went, into Moses' own tent or tabernacle, to offer up his own bond offerings there, right? But in a David's tabernacle, strictly what they were offering up was spiritual sacrifices unto God. And so it was, or it is a type of what is happening today. So Second, second Samuel chapter 6 and verse 12. Now I want to see why, what motivated David, all right, in terms of bringing... What, what was the, the arrangement here? Now, the Bible says, and it was told King David, saying that, so they came to meet David. Now, David had tried to bring the ark earlier on. We know the story about how they brought it on a new cart, and they, the two people got killed. And so they, they left, all right, the ark in the house of a Levite whose name was Obedadom. And so what happened was, they came to tell David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obedadom and all that pertaineth unto him, 
simply because the ark of God is in his house. <laughs> David said, no. Let's stop. Let's bring it for all of us. Alright? So David went. So David got up and said, it's enough. Alright? We have to get this thing to Jerusalem. And brought the ark of God from the house of Obadadam there. But I want us to note that when the ark was in Obadadam's house, everything there that pertained unto him was blessed. Things were happening. So he went to bring it into the city of David with gladness. So he brought it there. And so what was the tabernacle of David in First Chronicles 16.1? It tells us what that tabernacle was built for. So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. So David pitched a tent. It was purpose-built for the purpose of housing the ark. Now David was very strategic. He understood the most important piece of furniture in all of Moses' tabernacle there was the ark. So he took the ark and put it in his own tent and left the other things in Moses' tabernacle that was also in Israel. But stayed, all right, with the ark there. And let's go on there. So he took the ark, all right? So he understood this. The ark was bringing about the blessing. The ark is the manifest presence of God's power. In other words, where the ark is, you have a manifest presence of power. And he set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. And then they offered up bond sacrifices and peace offerings before the Lord. And we said this during the meeting, that this was the first and last time, and the only time in which bond offerings were offered up at the start of the tent of David. In fact, we will see in Psalm 40 that David said in that tabernacle, he said, Mine ear has thou opened, burnt offering and offering for sins, thou wouldest not. You don't want that. But it is written of me in the volume of the book. Now, follow what I'm saying here. All right, you're going to see it's going to be very clear here. So, it was once and for all, and this typified Christ, which means he was placed on the altar, and he was slain once and for all, and as a burnt offering, he was placed on the altar once and for all. And after that, other sacrifices are offered by the priests inside, all right, before God today in worship and in service, just like David did during his time. So what happened was, they did that. Now next verse, now I didn't say 40, let's go back to First Chronicles. All right. And when David had made an end of offering, the bond offerings, and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord, I like them here, and dealt to every man, so dealt to every man here means this was takeaway pack, okay? After the dedication, everybody had takeaway pack. That's what it means, okay? He dealt to everyone in Israel, both man and woman, to everyone a loaf of bread, a good piece of flesh, a flagon of wine there, and verse 4, and appointed, all right, certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record. So, 
the record is what we have in the book of Psalms. In other words, you record what you do because when they got there, they got into prophetic worship. Are you following what I'm saying here? Alright, you start singing. In fact, it was an old song. We used to sing back then. I just got saved. I didn't even know I saw the psalm yesterday. What's the song again now? Can't remember. Alright, be thou exalted, O Lord above. You know the song? Let your glory. I know you said now. Alright, so I looked at it and I realized that. Ah, it was a psalm, so I used the same tune to sing the whole psalm, and I was really blessed. All right, because you just sang one verse. You, when you go home, sing it. You'll be really blessed. Read that way, so they just look for it, then continue singing. All right, sing it the way they started, and you, you don't have to be a musician. You'll finish the song. All right, then. <laughs> okay, then. So it says this here. Let's go on here. All right, and he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record. And so thank and praise, all right, the Lord God of Israel. So they did a recording. And verse 5 there, and Asaph, all of them, and Obedidom, them, all right. So he came there with saltrates, herbs, and all of that. So they came and they recorded that, and they sang, all right, that. So the ark was the manifest presence or a manifestation of God's presence in his power, all right, within that particular place. So they came there before the ark and they ministered right there. Now, I want to show something about the ark as it brings about supernatural things into the life of a person. So we get closer to where we are going, right? And we'll look at Aaron, right? About this ark. When you are before the ark and you are ministering the correct way, Right, there will be supernatural all right, things that will be happening. And this form of ministry, we'll see it in two major sacrifices. The third one, I'll talk about the minister's conference, but two major sacrifices are offered, or there are three, but two major ones here are offered up in the tabernacle there of David for us to understand. And we'll see this in the New Testament. But let's look at Aaron, Okay. And if we look at um, um, Numbers chapter 17 and verse 1. Now the history to this particular thing here was that there had been rebellion against Moses, Aaron, and the constituted authority in Israel by Korah, Data, Abiram, and Co. And so they rebelled, all right, against their authority. And God judged that uh, the land opened up and they were swallowed. All right, and negative things can produce negative things. So what happened was, all right, it didn't solve any problem, so to speak. I mean, it solved, but they were afraid. And so anytime Moses said anything, right, they would refer and say, all right, do you want to kill us the way in which you killed that and Abraham? So it didn't really, 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 it didn't change their hearts. All right, it suppressed their rebellion. Do you get what I'm saying here? Right? Which means it wasn't a conversion, it wasn't a persuasion, it was just fear. It wasn't that they, they understood the principle. So God said, we can't go on this way, we need to do something. So in Numbers chapter 17 here, God called Moses and said, this is what you're going to do. And the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, and then verse 2, Speak to the children of Israel and take every one of them a rod. A rod there, back there meant a branch. Which means go and cut a branch. 
and bring the branch. Tell all of them, according to the house of their fathers, of all their princes, according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods. So according to the twelve tribes of Israel, tell everyone to cut the branches and bring. Then write down every man's name upon the rod. And then verse 3, and thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi, which means the tribe called the Levites. For one rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers. And then thou shalt lay them up. Now, note what I want to say here. Right? This was Moses' tabernacle. But remember I said, David took the most important furniture into his own. Do you remember that? Alright? So, if the pulpit was the most important thing there, okay? In other words, if you take the pulpit here, and, and, and this is here, and we just put the pulpit over there and put it on a wooden table. But the pulpit is there. You are going to ask, are you speaking from that place? Because the pulpit represents where you speak from. So, do you get what I'm saying here? So, that's where everybody asks. Oh, so, pastor is going to speak from this particular place. Alright? Because that's where the pulpit is. Right? So, he took the ark. I've taken it. But, you, I want you to understand what he took. All right? Why David knew this thing is what it is. Now, look at it here. So, the every man brought their branch and laid them in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony. All right? So, you are doing theological school today too. Okay? So, I want you to understand what that testimony is. Where I will meet with you. So, he said, I will meet with you there. Uh, verse 15. Verse 5. Sorry. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod, whom I choose, shall blossom. And I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you, which means now they will be persuaded. Right? Verse 6. And it says, And Moses spake to the children of Israel that every one of their princes give, gave him a rod apiece, for each prince one, according to their father's houses, even twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. Verse 7. And then it says, And Moses laid the rods before the Lord, in the tabernacle of witness. Now, note that. And then it goes on in verse 8. And it says, It came to pass on the next day, which is tomorrow, Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded, and brought forth buds, and bloomed blossoms, and yielded almonds. Now, you can be sure that every family had people outside that tabernacle. Now, boy, you can't change this thing. All right? We've all put our branches, watch, 24-7. Okay, uh, are you here? Okay? New, so everybody marshaled their people. Nobody is coming out of this tabernacle, all right? Everybody was watching. So what happened was, they brought out all their branches, and they brought out Aaron's own. Now, these were branches, you had removed all the leaves, everything was just there. In the air, you bring out Aaron's own, because it was placed there, you bring out and there are almonds, fruits, leaves, and they are holding it in the air. You look at the bottom. It is not connected to anything. How can a dead plant grow in the air by itself and become fruitful with no connection? Now, what the tabernacle of David will do for you is this. In other words, in 24 hours, there was fruitfulness that could not be explained humanly. So people will look into your life. Are you following what I'm saying here? And say, let us look for where it's coming from and check, all right, and they will not be able to find any connection, all right, that can bring that particular thing 
and even the speed at which it happened, such that they will call you rabbi. Do you get what I'm saying? That no man can do these things except God be with him. So he came out with that, which was supernatural in itself. Right? But it was in Moses' tabernacle there, before what was called the testimony or tabernacle of witness. Now, what was he referring to by that? Now, that is the key to fruitfulness. Let me repeat what I'm saying. This is the key to supernatural fruitfulness as a Christian. In other words, you hold it in the air, right? You cut off, and that's what they said about Jesus. It says that Jesus, all right, let me next I'll teach about that. It was even the first revelation I got this week on it. But Jesus, the scripture says that he tasted of death, that through death, all right, he might destroy him that had the power of death, so that those who were kept in bondage by the fear of death might be delivered. Now, fear of death there is not the fear of physically dying. Right? Some people are ready to die. If you lie to a person about what will happen if he dies, he might be willing to die. Okay? But the fear of death, that's what death there means. The fear of severance, which means the loss that will come to you by reason of being severed. So you can have a job and you are afraid, all right? It's a blessing. But you are afraid of death. In other words, they threaten you inside that job. And why can they threaten you? Because they know that you are afraid of severance from that job because your fruitfulness on the outside is tied to this job. So if you cut it, the supply coming will stop and after some time you begin to wither. So what Jesus did was he tasted of it and delivered us and is telling you that listen if they severe you from anything in obedience to god you are cut off from anything you can enter into the tabernacle of david dwell in the secret place of the most high abide under the shadow of the almighty will see this and they will say your soul shall not see corruption do you get what i'm saying here Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.